Morning. Thank you. That's very nice and very warm. I appreciate that. Um, it is my joy to welcome you here at Central Baptist Church. We are glad that you're with us today on a Labor Day weekend, on a day I hope you are resting some from labor, uh, but are ready to be a part of this worship service, which is peaceful labor in the goodness of God. We are so thankful that you're here. We have little information uh, brochures that are in the pew, as well as a friendship pad. Those are just ways to say hello by name. And really, today, in the anticipation of what is a much lower crowd with Labor Day weekend, there's no excuse here if you are not meeting someone that you don't know. Don't let that scare you, but there's opportunity here for all of you to say hello in a warm and um, authentic welcome. We are very thankful that you are with us today um, on this weekend as we are remembering uh, a lot of folks that may be traveling or that may be in harm's way with Hurricane Dorian. In fact, I think a few people are here this morning uh, because they were planning to go to Georgia and that got flipped around. Um, and it's a reminder to all of us that as much as we want life to go smoothly and well, life sometimes does not. And we are part of a community that allows the ups and downs of life to be embraced in the love of community and in the goodness of God. Because sometimes we need others with us to laugh and to celebrate when things are going well, but more often than not, we need people with us to hold to us and hold us when things are difficult. And so you are part today of a religious community that says whether every pew is packed or whether there's three or four gathered in the name of Christ, you are important, you are significant, and we care about you, we want to know your story, and we welcome you. So I am glad to welcome you this day as a part of Central Baptist Church. We worship as a work, something that we must labor to do, but it is a good labor because the rewards are the peace and the kindness and the mercy of a loving God. I hope you find that this day as we worship as God's people here at Central Baptist Church.
stand as you are able, and let's join in reading our call to worship. Every good and perfect gift, no doubt, comes from above, and God gives birth to us through the Word. We welcome the Word. We welcome the Word deep inside us in order to be true doers of the Word. Let us be doers, doers of the Word. And let us start by worshiping God. Let us pray. O God, the prophet Micah tells us what you require to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, concise, memorable, simple, and hard. For so often our nature, our inclinations, our impulses are contrary to what you expect. 
as we gather for this brief time this morning, we, may we sharpen our focus and strengthen our resolve to do what you would have us to do and to be who you would have us to be. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Please turn and share the peace of Christ with those around you. Each year we are involved in the important task of deacon elections and today we are recognizing two people who have agreed to serve you and they are Dara Feltz and Jamie Wallace. Go ahead and come to the place up here as I introduce you. Uh, they're going to share in a moment about uh, who they are, their love for this church and their call but in a few moments uh, after the service you are invited to a time of business where we will I have a vote of affirmation uh, affirming uh, Dara and Jamie to these new roles. And so we gladly hear from them at this time and thank God for them. Dara, we'll start with you. Did you need a little more warm up? <laughs> I was really hoping Jamie was going to go first. Okay. Well, good morning. Um, when I began attending Central Baptist, I found a church home that allows me to question and grow in my faith. It's also a congregation that welcomes women as leaders. Um, so what can I tell you this morning? Over the past six, seven years, I hope I've already shown you what kind of person I am. Uh, you've seen me adventuring with our children and youth at Passport. You've seen me as a mother, a friend, a recycler. <laughs> you've seen me engaged in mission work. You've seen my heart, feet, and hands in action. But honestly, I hope that you ponder not just my actions, but that you see before you a compassionate, thoughtful, genuine person, the kind of person my dad was and that I have always wished to be. I am willing and excited to stand before you for your consideration of me as a leader in our church. Um, there's a Japanese art form called kintsugi, which translated literally means golden, golden joinery. So when a, a beautiful created piece of pottery might have been knocked over and shattered, gold was used in fusing together the broken pieces. And I imagine that's a bit like how God works. 
Instead of seeing our imperfections as weaknesses, God simply finds our broken parts and he fills those and binds them together with beauty and love. We become stronger when we allow God to heal us beautifully. I don't believe that process ever stops. If you, as a body of believers, accept me as a deacon, I hope to continue my journey of faith, as well as be here to support yours. If you are looking for an imperfect vessel with a lot of God-filled golden cracks, I am here. Uh, my name's Jamie Wallace, and I'd like to start off by thanking Mark for holding this election on a holiday weekend when voter turnout is going to be low. <laughs> um, I sure didn't prepare any eloquent or beautiful words to uh, say, so I'll just introduce myself. Uh, once again, Jamie Wallace, because Ethan's gone and um, nobody to write it for me. I'm better known as the uh, father of Ethan, Juliet, and Millie and uh, husband of Rebecca. Uh, some of you may know me as well as the kind of the behind the scenes person, so this is a little bit strange for me. Um, I'm the cooker around here. Um, I think that's about all I've got. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, thankful to be nominated as a servant of the church. Um, that's more of the kind of role that I prefer to be in as a servant. Um, and that's it, thank you very much. Hebrew scripture this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where's the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water.
I've already done this five times today. next reading this morning comes from the book of Sirach. Sirach is a book that we don't read from too much. It's a collection of Hebrew ethical teachings written somewhere around 200 BCE, accepted as holy scriptures by our Catholic and Eastern Orthodox siblings, and it's mentioned in many early Christian writings and was part of the rabbinic tradition during the time of Jesus, likely known by Jesus as important wisdom teachings. So this morning, Hear these words of Hebrew wisdom. The beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord, 
the heart has withdrawn from its maker. For the beginning of pride is sin, and the one who clings to it pours out abominations. Therefore the Lord brings upon them unheard of calamities and destroys them completely. The Lord overthrows the thrones of rulers and enthrones the lowly in their place. The Lord plucks up the roots of the nations and plants the humble in their place. The Lord lays waste the lands of the nations and destroys them to the foundations of the earth. He removes some of them and destroys them and erases the memory of them from the earth. Pride was not created for human beings or violent anger for those born of women. For the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray together, please, shall we? Dear God, I'm reflecting on strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow in a time where the day is enough to make me feel hopeless, let alone the fears of what tomorrow might bring. I'm glad this morning that you are a faithful God, that you love me, you protect me, you guide me, not because I ask, not because I am a good person, but because you just love me that much. I'm thankful, God, for that, that, that you love every person here just that much. I pray, God, that you will send a, a, a peace to us, a confidence in us, that we can rely upon you, and that the mission of this church is to let people know how much you love them and how much they can rely upon you and you alone. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs>
I invite you to stand with me now for the hearing and the receiving of our gospel lesson. Today found in the 14th chapter of the gospel of Luke. I begin reading the first verse. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Verse 7. Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, and he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said, now here's an idea to the one who invited him. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
If you are of a certain age and grew up Southern Baptist and was taken to Sunday school every single Sunday of the year, not just Christmas and Easter, but Labor Day and Memorial Day and every single Sunday, like I was, then you probably recognize the name of Herschel Hobbs. Born in 1907, he served as the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Oklahoma City for 25 years, and during his career, he had written or edited 147 books or commentaries on the Bible, making his name synonymous with Sunday school itself, or Baptist. It was 1982, while attending my second and soon-to-be last Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, I was a 23-year-old seminary student. One of the motions there in 1982 was a resolution of unreserved endorsement for the state of Israel. And there I was at the convention with that respected Baptist icon, Dr. Hobbs, and about 10 other students sitting in the upper deck of a nearly empty Superdome when he told us why he was against that motion. Perhaps I will never forget that deeply respected Baptist from the old, old, old school saying to us, I'm sure you know that when the New Testament talks about God's kingdom on earth, it refers not to an actual earthly kingdom, but a transcendent, a spiritual community that spans across time and is not limited to any geographical boundary. There was a time when you'd get an amen, amen like that in the Baptist church for saying that. And now, nearly 40 years later, the work of those Christians who took over the SBC, along with others, have been busy influencing, if not taking over, many of the lovers of the political system of this country. And they are still wanting to establish an earthly kingdom as the kingdom of God. Patriotic Americans that we are, we value our system of government, but we are now witnessing a dangerous and persistent threat, I believe, to both our democracy and to all religious organizations and their health, which is a growing movement to merge Christian and American identities as one and the same, suggesting through rhetoric and now mandating through legislation that they are one and the same. To be an American is to be a Christian. And if you are not a Christian, then you cannot be a true American. This morning I'm alerting us to this danger, believing as Americans this is a distortion 
to our constitutional democracy. And as Christians, this is an affront to our primary allegiance to God alone. Did I coax that out of you guys? I'm not sure. And so recently, I signed a statement against Christian nationalism. I'm all for our nation. I'm all for Christians. But this merger is deeply problematic. And let me give you some of the highlights from the statement that I signed. We as Christians are bound to Christ, not by citizenship, but by faith. Whether we worship at church, mosque, synagogue, or temple, America has no second-class faiths. And all are equal under the U.S. Constitution. Government should not prefer one religion over another or deny those with different religions or non-religious affiliations to be excluded from participation in the public square or to serve as government officials. Religious instruction and formation flourishes best within houses of worship, within families and other religious institutions rather than seeking support and aid from the government. And conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to the oppression of minority and other marginalized groups as well as leads to the spiritual impoverishment of religion. Do you have a problem with highly overtly organized religion? If so, I think you would find a friend in Jesus. Because religion that becomes so overtly structured can become its own religion. That's why we choose this messy form of Christian community called the free church tradition. It teaches that religious loyalty must be free. And when it has been mandated and enforced by the power of the state especially, it has become some of the greatest abuses of power ever known in the history of humankind. We as Baptists believe our faith should be free, not to seek establishment from government or to prohibit our free exercise and that we understand religious liberty not to be a statement of prejudice against others but in order for it to be a freedom of the flourishing life of love and mercy Christ has called us to live. In our text from Luke, Jesus resists the seats of honor and encourages us to do the same. He calls us to reject the human urge to seek positions of dominance over one another and to be content to see another as more important than yourself. I think Jesus realizes that we can learn just as much, if not more, about the power of love when we are at the bottom of the pile than when we are always striving to work ourselves to the top of the hill. 
And if you really want to do something courageous and something authentically Christian, then when you go out to lunch or have a dinner or gather some folks for a party, invite people that are radically different than you are. Invite people that don't share all your ideas or may see the world from the perspective of the bottom up who have a particular orientation to the reality of life that perhaps we get blinded by when we're always jockeying for positions of social power. And Jesus is keenly aware how quickly we can fall in love with earthly power and confuse it for the will of God. According to a recent poll, in 2011, 30% of white evangelicals believed an elected official who commits an immoral act in their personal life can still act ethically and carry out their duties in office. 30% 2011. Yet today, just seven years later, 72% of white evangelicals believe Personal morality is not an indicator of someone being able to earn the public's trust. That you can do terrible and awful things in a selfish pursuit of personal power, and you can still be trusted to work on behalf of the public good. In seven years, from 30% now to 72% of white Christians... It seems they have given up expecting personal morality of their leaders while pushing to remove political, religious, or personal freedoms from their neighbors. Doesn't that sound strange and odd and ironic and far more than sad? I know I've had plenty of conversations, more than I can count, about what kind of Baptist I am, especially when that word Baptist is so loaded with stereotypes that I reject. But I think we are now facing an even greater danger when we have to commit to what kind of Christians we are. Listen to millennial Benjamin Sledge, who writes in his blog, many young Christians are adamant about their faith, but they totally reject the label evangelical or Christian. That's because, and then speaking for that generation, we don't want our faith identified with this weird Christian nationalism that swept the nation. We would rather have people find out about our beliefs through our actions and kind words than getting lumped together with supporting child molesters. The dividing line is that sharp for our young people. And preaching a loyalty to the nation instead of a loyalty to Christ alone hangs in the balance. Listen to Psalm 135, verse 15 and following. The Psalms. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, 
the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. And there is no breath in their mouths. Those who make them and all who trust them shall become like them. We become like the objects of our worship. If we worship money, we will struggle with greed. If we worship ourselves, we will struggle with pride. If we worship our nation, we will struggle with a perverted sense of power and patriotism. And let me add with a shout out to the dear old late Reverend Hobbs, that those who worship the Bible, I've discovered, have scantily read it and rarely study it. Only the eternal love of God revealed in the power of the Spirit incarnate in Christ and mysteriously revealed by the church teaches a belonging that transcends all national boundaries and reaches far beyond every historical epic. This is the good news that can free us from narrow preoccupations we mistakenly might claim as ultimate concerns, whether they are interests of self-preservation, tribal belonging, or national loyalty. Anything that we worship that is not God is not worthy of our worship. Jeremiah posits this truth in the negative. If we keep going after worthless things, spending our lives worshiping worthless things, then we become worthless. I signed a brief statement planning not to be silent. And I invite you to tell the world what kind of Christians you are. If you need to be a part of a church home that can struggle in distinguishing Christ and culture, that seeks to understand your loyalty to Christ, embraces you and loves you for how God has made you, rather than to squeeze you into a mold of what we or others might think you should become, if you need to respond to this Christ who appreciates your distinctive identity and the freedom that we might have to live in a free society where others and their religious perspectives can be respected, if you need a community that will love you and walk with you through the troubles of life, this is that place. Central is that church. And we invite you during this hymn sing of the church's one foundation to respond to this faith and this place that seeks our best, even though imperfect, to model that vision. Would you consider your response now as we stand and sing hymn 321?
before you are seated, I want to uh, allow you to exit if you do not want to stay for this business session. Uh, certainly, you are welcome to stick around. The thing we do is hidden, but we are uh, in need of the deacon election, and if, uh, if you would not want to stay for that, then that's okay. But also, deacons go on to the back to help pass out the ballots, and I recognize Isaac Scott, church moderator, to come at this time and lead us in this business session. Uh, you may be, as your choice, dismissed or seated. Good morning. I will call us into session. This is a called business meeting simply for the vote of affirmation for two candidates for deacon, the office of deacon, Darla Feltz and Jamie Wallace. Uh, as a step of procedure, I do need to ask, are there any other nominations? Hearing none, uh, if we could go ahead and have the ballots distributed. I think they will be self-explanatory, but as soon as I can get a chance to look at one, I'll tell you exactly what, how you need to mark it. Nothing prearranged here, that is for certain. Charlie? All right. The ballot is simply set up as a yes or no for both of the two candidates. Please mark them accordingly, and then we'll pass them in. just passing to your closest to the end aisle and that way we can just gather them that way. Has everybody gotten a ballot and had chased to mark it? Okay. okay. As this was the only action to be taken uh, to be considered during this called session, I will now declare us out of business session and Turn the rest of the service over to Aaron. Thank you all for staying around for that. We have just a few announcements before we head out today um, that you can find in your news and notes, uh, the insert in your bulletins. You'll notice that we're going to be uh, taking part in the Crop Hunger Walk this year. Uh, it's been happening for 50 years. I think this is the 50th this year at Second Pres, and we're going to join in uh, with that um, in September, which is 
Hunger Action Month. You'll also see a, a bin on the way out uh, where we're taking donations for God's Pantry uh, for, for food items there as well. If you'd like to find out more and you'd like to be involved, whether you want to walk or you want to donate, uh, you can find us at the sign-up table. There's more information there, or you can go online and sign up or email for more information as well. Women on Mission will be meeting this week, uh, Tuesday at 2 p.m., uh, and they're going to be hearing from the Flockers Fighting Cancer, um, uh, one of our, uh, our favorite nonprofits that's here uh, that, that Tricia Huffman is, has, uh, has started, and so they're going to be hearing from them this week uh, at Women on Mission. On Wednesday, we'll have a fellowship meal with uh, chicken fingers and also bottle cap sorting, everyone's favorite activity. Uh, we've gathered a lot of bottle caps uh, for our recycling, and we're going to get those made into some beautiful seating. And so if you want to come help out with sorting bottle caps, it'll be a great time. Um, it's not necessarily about the sorting of bottle caps, but the stories that you get to hear. You never know what will come up whenever you're sorting bottle caps with friends. Um, Children's Atrium Sunday School will resume uh, next week, and we're excited about that. There are uh, ways for you to register uh, your kids, too. There's some registration sheets, and we'd invite you to do that as well. And lastly, if you are interested in learning watercolor painting, whether or not you have painted before, um, you can try it out. I got, I got a test run uh, a couple weeks ago with Pat Wilson, who's going to be teaching our class. And uh, that's going to begin in September 10th at 10 a.m., uh, we're going to meet for several weeks uh, this month and then possibly into October as well. Um, so if you'd like to find out more about, about what it would take to start, um, uh, Pat's going to be out at the sign-up table too to talk to you a little bit after uh, the service today, and you can find out more about that. It's going to be a, a great time. So thank you all so much for being here this morning, for worshiping with us. Now I invite you to stand as you're able and receive the benediction. Now may you go with the imagination of our great creator, with the compassion of our wonderful redeemer, with the inspiration of our transforming sustainer, to different roads, to different ways, to different vistas, with the same faith in God's goodness, the same love for all humanity, the same hope that peace and justice will prevail. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.